We serve a good God, and we're looking forward to this uh, next couple weeks in our series as we're going through the letters of John, starting with uh, 1 John chapter 1 today. So we encourage you, if you have your Bibles or whatever device you may be reading the scriptures with, to, to follow after us. In 1 John chapter 1, I'll read the first couple of verses, and I want to make some introductory remarks, then we'll come back and, and go ahead and, and conclude chapter 1. But it begins in verse 1 of 1 John chapter 1, says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. So first, John, the letters of John were written to the churches in, in the Ephesus area, in the region around Ephesus. I think it's modern-day Turkey today. As John uh, is writing to them, he's, he's writing to uh, confront the churches. Well, uh, uh, he's, he's writing to, to uh, confront the churches with, uh, with the Gnosticism that was creeping into the church. He's, so he's really he's confronting the false teachings that are uh, uh, coming against the, the teaching and the ministry of the Word of God. So the Gnostic teachings that, that he's uh, coming against, they substituted their uh, intellectual pursuits for faith, and, and they, exalted ex, uh, they exalted speculation above the basic tenets of faith. And so this happened early on, you know, the first two centuries of the church. They had a lot of uh, challenges. You see that in other letters as well, in, in Colossians, Philippians, and some of Paul's writings. They, they're really coming against the, the Gnostic teachings. But you can see where the problem is when they're substituting intellectual pursuits for faith and, and, and the exalted speculation above the basic tenets of faith. And so that's why John is writing the churches. That's why he's addressing some of the things that he's addressing. You'll see it throughout the letters. So number one, to address the Gnostic teachings. And number two, he is also writing to give the assurance to the believers, the assurance of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So exposing false teachers and the, uh, to give the believers the assurance of salvation. If you keep those things, two things in mind as we go through the letters of John, it will help you because when I, you know, I remember in my early years of walking with God and, and I, I read through the epistles of John and I put, I, I, I lay it down after I'm, I, I read it and I think, okay, now what did he just say? He said a whole bunch of things, but I'm not exactly sure what he was saying. <laughs> and so having an understanding of what he was addressing really helps the quickness in which he moves from one topic to, uh, to another. So the Gnostic, the Gnostic teachings, uh, primarily, I just want to give you a few characteristics of, the, of Gnosticism. Number one, they uh, substituted intellectual pursuits for faith. Number two, they were known for uh, uh, denying the true humanity of Jesus Christ. Uh, they didn't believe in the, in the incarnation that God became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And also breaking God's law was of no moral consequences, and it really resulted in them throwing off all moral restraint. There was a, 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 a huge disregard for any rules of, of, of correctness. And so uh, John is writing this letter with, with uh, that in mind, and he's addressing those particular issues. Now, there's a whole lot more about Gnosticism and how it evolved over the centuries, but primarily those are some of the primary things that John's addressing. I think one of the most important ones is, is that they did not believe in the incarnation. They did not believe that uh, Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. And as a result of, of their teachings, uh, believing that, uh, that their intellectual pursuit for faith, uh, their intellectual, they substituted intellectual pursuits rather than having faith in God. They, 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 they separated matter. Uh, they believed that all matter was evil and God was good, but all matter was evil. And, and they believed that the, the way of salvation was, was to escape the body because all matter is evil, therefore the body was evil. And, and the great escape, the great salvation was actually to die and your spirit would go over the river sticks and then you'd be forever, ever in la-la land. And so that's just a quick synopsis. There's a whole lot more to it than that if you want to ever get into, the te- in, into researching some of the, some of the uh, Gnostics' beliefs. But those are just some basic foundations of it. So John is writing... Uh, uh, keeping, uh, in keeping with his intention to combat the Gnostic teachers, John points to their total lack of morality. You see in John chapter 3, verse 8, John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And so he, he really goes after it, and he goes after it hard. He refers uh, uh, to their teachings as being deceitful. In John chapter 2 and verse 26, it says, I'm writing... I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. He's talking about the the Gnostic philosophy. Those who want to lead you astray. They they don't want you to believe that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. Also in chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as God is righteous. So he... uh, refers to their teachings as being deceitful and to the teachers as being, number one, he refers to them as being liars, verse 22 of chapter 2. He says, and who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. So he refers to them as liars. He refers to them as antichrist. And in chapter 4 and verse 1, he refers to them, says, Dear friends, do not believe anyone who claims to speak by the, by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. He calls them false prophets. And he also refers to them in verse 3 then of the same chapter. says, If anyone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth, about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So John doesn't mess around. Like I said, he, he moves quickly. He, he confronts the teaching as being deceitful, the teachers as being false prophets, liars, and Antichrist. Those are not labels that you want 
on your resume. So you want to be walking with God. We believe in the incarnate Christ. We believe that God, uh, that Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. And he came to reveal God to us, to open up the curtains of heaven, to reveal the love of God to us. And he went to the cross and shed his blood to cleanse us of all of our sin. So the two basic purposes for John's writing, number one, exposing the false teachings of Gnosticism, and number two, to give the believers the assurance of salvation. Everyone say the assurance of salvation. In verse 13 of John, of 1 John chapter 5, he says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, everyone say no, that you may know that you have eternal life that you may know that you have eternal life. You may know. The word know is quite frequent. The word know, the word love, the word life, the word light, and the word, knowledge, the word know or knowledge is 39 times in the, in the letters of John. So it has a lot to do with, we really need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. And we really need to be knowing and believing who we are as children of the Most High God. And we know that we know that we know that Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. So 1 John chapter 1, let's go back there. Going to get through the chapter that was just an introduction, but you can, you can deal with that, right? Now, let's get into it. Verse 1 through 4 again. says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Say, from the beginning. You notice any parallel there if you're familiar with the Gospel of John? Let's go ahead and look at it real quickly. The Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Then in verse 14, it says, So the Word became human. And made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So the Word was made flesh, or the Word became human. And I notice it says in 1 John chapter 1, it says, We proclaim to the one who existed from the beginning. In the Gospel of John, in the beginning, the Word became flesh, became human, and dwelt among us. So it's really important that you understand that uh, John has a lot of emphasis uh, in, in the Word of God on Jesus being the one that is from the beginning, that God manifested in the flesh. In, in chapter 2, in verse 24, it says, verse 24, chapter 2, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. And we say, from the beginning. So it's a very basic message, lesson, or teaching that John is giving. And again, keep in mind that the church, you know, we're talking about first century church here. Christianity is new, and it's only, it's only getting going. And immediately, the enemy comes in with false doctrine, with antichrist, with liars and false teachers teaching a Gnostic philosophy that no, God was not manifested in the flesh. And God couldn't be manifested in the flesh because God is good and, and flesh is matter and matter is evil. So God couldn't dwell in that. And so they, they believed in, in a 
in that the great escape was just simply to die and, and, and to be separated, that no way that God could dwell in Jesus and no way that God could dwell in you because after all, your matter and matter is evil. And so he comes back to this, what you have been taught from the beginning. Now, John is not addressing, he's not making a defense of tradition as if the older is better or that any innovation is suspect. Now, sometimes when we talk about the old, the new, you know, well, we, we should be doing church the way church used to be. Well, church used to be that way in your age bracket, but you know, there's people that are a lot older than you that church used to be different than what you say church should be the way it used to be. Every generation has the way church used to be. And every generation has the way church should be. But the apostle John is saying, let's go back to the beginning. There's some things that are non-negotiable. What we're doing is we're going back to the beginning and in beginning, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what our faith is in. All the other antichrist teachings that come and go and, 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 and have an, a negative impact on Christianity and bring division and turmoil within Christianity. And the intent, of course, is to divide the house. A house divided cannot stand. So any and all new age teachings or, or, or Gnosticism that, that you are being confronted with, don't allow yourself to become frustrated or to be intimidated don't, don't cower down with, a, with an intellectual inferiority thinking, well, they're so intellectual and I'm just a Christian. And, and many times Christians want to re, respond to an intellectual inferiority with, with spiritual inferiority. And that's not right either. John addresses that in his letters. You, know, you can't go attacking the, the, the Gnostic teachings and, and, and treating them the way they're treating you. It's not tit for tat. It's like we always walk in love. We walk in love, we walk in light, we walk in fellowship with God, and we walk in the knowledge of God. And walking in the knowledge of God is intellectual superiority, but we walk humbly before the Lord our God. Amen? We have nothing to be intimidated by. We have nothing to be inferior about. I personally believe some of the greatest things that are happening today and will continue to happen as God continues to write the story are, are being designed and created and invented and thought of by the Christian community. The wisdom of God is being manifested. Thank you for your overwhelming support of that. Amen. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the light of the world, the light that is penetrating the darkness, the darkness that cannot comprehend it, that intellectual superiority is, is it, it's from God. The ultimate intellect is from God. So don't cower down with, with, a, with an inferiority and, and try to counter it with a, with a, with a spiritual a superiority and, and, and being arrogant about the things that you know or, or start bashing people with the Bible or that type of thing. But to be walking in the love of God, walking in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, walking in the mercy of God. So again, John is not in defense of tradition as if, as if older is better and any innovation is suspect. You know, you don't need to be suspect when, we, when someone, when some of the intellectual superiority is manifested and someone rewrites an old hymn and puts some different music to it. 
That's nothing to get up in arms about and fight over. What we want to get anchored in and what the Apostle John's primary heartbeat for the church is and still needs to be the primary heartbeat and foundation for the church today is that no matter what's going on in the church, in the world, and there's a lot going on, there's a lot going on, but you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, that no matter what's going on, you can always, you always want to go back to the beginning. Everyone say, to the beginning. Like he says, from the beginning. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. When you have your anchor of your faith is in the lordship of Jesus Christ, the anchor of your faith is that, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh, that God chose to reveal himself to us in his great love and, he, and, and, and sent his son Jesus to reveal God the Father to us. And Jesus was obedient on that assignment, even to go to the cross while we were yet in our sin, go to the cross and demonstrate God's love to us and die for us while we were yet sinners, shed his blood for us to redeem us of our sin. Died in the cross, was buried. Third day, God raised him up from the dead and, and seated him, eventually raised him up. He ascended to be seated at the right hand of God the Father, seated at the Father's right hand, ever making intercession for the saints. Back to the beginning is the reality of the incarnate Christ is God manifested in the flesh. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? That Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. Do you believe it today? Yes. Do you believe that you believe it? Yes. Do you all believe it that you believe it? Yes. Give me a yes and amen. I believe that. Yes. That is your anchor for any attack that comes against you. For any antichrist movement, for any Gnostic type uprising, for any false antichrist teachings that present themselves, and there's plenty out there, there's plenty, and it, it's so accessible today with all the media platforms, but you stay anchored. When you start feeling yourself getting confused and you start questioning, well, what's right, what's wrong, who's right? Who's wrong? What, what do I believe? What don't I believe? You want to come back to the anchor. I'm going to say anchor. Go back to the beginning. I want to go back. I want to go back to the one that existed from the beginning, and that is in the beginning, God was the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I believe that. That is the anchor. That is one thing that is non-negotiable. That is your foundation for everything else that you believe. And everything else can stem forth from that. And has time to, to, to blossom and to grow forth from that. So don't get defensive. Don't become paranoid. Don't become fearful. Just remember that in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God, manifested himself as Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. That beginning, not from the beginning of, we're not talking about the Genesis beginning, I'm talking about the beginning of Jesus Christ being manifested in the flesh. So he's referring to this historic coming of Jesus Christ and the preservation, uh, and the preservation of that revelation. Preserve it in your heart. 
be rooted and grounded and established in it. This is our anchor for any and everything else that you believe as a Christian. It stems forth from the fact that God became flesh and dwelt among us. The teachings of Jesus Christ all stem forth from that. And in 1 John chapter 1 here, verse 3 says, We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you, so that you may fully share our joy. The joy that he's talking about there is the net result of, the, of a Christ-centered community of people that are having fellowship around the reality and the truth that from the beginning, God was manifested in the flesh, they, they have, we have, a, he, he says here in, in verse one, says, we saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our hands. He is the word of life. Everyone say, he is the word of life. So you always want to go back to that. And the net result of Christ-centered community around the God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, and fellowship with one another in community groups is a, the net result of that is a community filled with the joy of the Lord. Verse 5 through 10. Let's just read this and I'll give you a couple comments on it. it says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and we, and we declare to you, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. So if we are so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Again, making references to that which was from the beginning, Jesus Christ. God manifested in the flesh, having died on the cross and shed his blood. Then verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And it always intrigued me. Why did, he just, why did he throw that in there? He's talking to Christians. I personally, personally, I don't think I've ever been in a fellowship group. I've never been around Christians around a table or a small setting or a large setting. I've never had someone proclaiming to be a Christian say, why? Well, I, 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 I have never sinned. I'm thinking, why is John addressing that? Well, remember, he's addressing it because what he's doing is he's coming against the Gnostic teachings. They're saying, well, they didn't really sin. There's no, there's no consequences of sin. All matter is evil, and evil is evil. But, you know, uh, the great escape is we're going to die and cross over the river Styx, and we'll be just fine. But God wasn't manifested in the flesh. They didn't believe that. So there's no consequences for sin. So they denied any, the idea of sin. The Gnostic teachings denied that. So that's what he's addressing here. Don't buy into the lie that you haven't sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus. That's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die at Calvary's cross and to shed his blood because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thank God that through the redemptive shed blood of Jesus Christ, we have been made the righteousness of God. Amen? We've been made the righteousness of God. And so... The good news is, goes on in verse 9, says, But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Folks, 
We're Christians. We're gathering together today as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus to worship God, to open the word, to hear the word of God. So obviously we're not, we're not saying that, uh, that God's word has no place in our hearts. It's all about the word of God. Getting together in community is all about the word of God. Praying is all about the word of God. Believing is all about the word of God. But I want to, if you leave with anything today, I want you to leave with this. And, and in your discussion times, this is to uh, make it the anchor. Make the anchor the phrase from the beginning. Everyone say from the beginning. So just use that whenever you need to use that. Whenever you start being attacked or confused and, and uh, People try to talk you out of, well, what you're believing is just a crutch. It's just a security. You know, it's just weak people need that. Just come in. No, no. From the beginning, from the beginning, this was God's idea. And I believe God. Amen? So back to the beginning. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. Don't let anyone say, well, you know, there's no such thing as sin. There's no consequences. You know, breaking the law, there's no consequence to that. You know, no. back to the beginning. God was manifested in the flesh as Jesus Christ to go to the cross and to shed his blood for our sin. And he did it while we were still in our sin. He did it to demonstrate his love to us from the beginning. So from the very beginning, God loves you. God still loves you. He's still writing your story and his love continues to be manifested in your story as you continue to follow after him all the days of your life. Would you please stand? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for the grace of God. We thank you that from the very beginning, you loved us. Before we were even born, you loved us. And Father God, we thank you and we praise you that you provided for us a Savior before we even did sin, before we were even born. But you demonstrated your love to us. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, that in Jesus' name, that we are secure as born again, children of God, Christ followers, because of what took place at the beginning in God being manifested in the flesh. We believe in the incarnate Christ. So Father, we thank you and we praise you for that security. We thank you for that anchor and we thank you, Lord God, that our ears are open to wisdom, our ears are, our eyes are open to light, and our hearts are receptive and open to Christian fellowship in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never realized that God loved you from the beginning. We want to offer to pray for you. If you just quickly just slip up your hand, say, yes, Pastor Ray, include me in that prayer. I want to come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Is there anyone in here at all? You say, I want to, thank you, sir. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? You want to pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. All right, let's pray that together. And let's believe for this gentleman over here that raised his hand, believe in God that, that he's coming into a brand new relationship with God. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you loved me from the beginning. Before I was even born, you provided Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I believe that he shed his blood at Calvary's cross. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I believe that today I am raised up together with Jesus Christ as a brand new person, completely forgiven, 
of all my sin. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me. I receive you as Lord and Savior. This day, I have assurance that from the very beginning, Christ provided for me. Thank you, Father, for new life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. God bless you, sir. And listen, you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day. And whatever groups you're meeting with uh, tonight or throughout this week, enjoy it. Have a good time of fellowship and realize that God is for you and your, his, your story is still being written. God bless you.